Her name was Annabelle Beam. She suffered from two very rare but substantial digestive disorders. She had, and let me quote them, because I don't know them from memory, pseudo-obstruction motility disorder and antrohypomotility disorder. What this meant is that uh, her body, her intestines, thought that there was a blockage. And so it didn't absorb the nutrients it needed from food. It didn't move food along quite enough. What it meant is that her stomach had too weak of contractions to try to move that food along, and she was often in severe and chronic pain. Now, if you ever had a child in pain, you know as parents you would do anything to stop it. You would do anything to find a cure to stop your child's pain. That's what the parents did. Parents named Christy and Kevin. They, they found help through specialists. They prayed to God. They did whatever they could, and it seemed like nothing was working. Until one day, as she was climbing out in a tree in Texas, a cottonwood tree, she fell in the inside. It was a hollowed-out tree. She fell 30 feet. And not only did she not break any bones or have any head trauma, but as a result of her fall from the tree, she was miraculously healed from those digestive disorders. She needed no more medication. She was no longer in chronic pain. And there was only one explanation that the parents could give. That there was a healer God. And here is a picture of the family. Here is Annabelle. And here is the tree that she fell into. It's an awesome story. And maybe you don't know this picture, but maybe you've heard of this movie. Has anyone seen that movie? Miracles from Heaven is the movie based on the story of Annabelle's life. Well, regardless of whether you've seen this movie or not, I think these stories tend to compel us. And you know why these stories grab our heartstrings and pull us in? It's because I believe this, that, that most of us want to believe healing is possible. Who doesn't love to hear of a rare disorder that was healed? Miraculously, Who doesn't love to hear of cancer that's in remission? Who doesn't love to hear that a season of hope is possible after a season of trouble? I know I do. Right? Most of us, we want to believe healing is possible because we are all in need of healing. And see, that's what I know about the, the family that has gathered. Maybe it's not in the front of your mind today, but maybe at one point you know what it was to come to God and say, I need healing, I need help with this. I invite you to think of that now. What is it that you need healing for? You know, for some of us, it's a simple thing as body image. God, I need to feel comfortable in the skin that I'm in. I need to be comfortable with how you made me, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. For some of us, it's this crazy world of emotions. Got emotions. And emotions are good. Just wish we could put a rain on them, Right? Wish we could be God-pleasing all of the time. We need healing from things like anxiety and depression. Some of us are looking for real physical healing. There is an ailment. There is a, a chronic nature to what you're going through that, that you would like change. Some of it is a financial circumstance. Some of it, it is a pattern of dysfunction. I need healing from a destructive pattern that I find myself in. We all need healing. That's why I love being here today. With you wonderful people. Did I tell you you're wonderful? I tell you it's good to see you. Every one of you. And by the way, I can see you. But the reason I love gathering with you and it brings me joy, there's this mutual thing that's going on right now. 
The reason there's such joy is because today we gather together and we find the healer. (laughs) I get to announce to you that there is a healer and his name is Jesus. And you know what I find so interesting is that for some of you, you didn't need Annabelle Beam's story because for some of you, you've walked with people long enough to hear the doctor's reports and the doctor said, we don't know why it happened. We have no idea how it changed, but, but it happened and the cancer is gone and, and the person is healed. Does anyone know what I'm relating to? Does anyone have a story like that in their family, in their experience that, that, that was only explained by God? A few. Some of you have done a complete 180. Or know people who have. You fought past addiction. You fought past whatever it was you were going through. And the only explanation for why you were able to get through and why you were able to progress is because there is a healer by the name of Jesus who is alive and real. I consider the words of one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 103. For me, I think it's one of the sweetest portions of Scripture. And what does it say in Psalm 103? It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, forget not his benefits, who forgives your sins. And can you say this with me, the yellow part? And heals all your diseases. Redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion. That is the healer, God. And so we're in this series on Jesus. And today we see one of his first miracles, how he healed a paralyzed man. And there was a group of friends who had this paralyzed man, and they just had this thought, if we could only get him to Jesus, Jesus could do something. Jesus could work something for that person. And today we hear from, the account, uh, from, from Luke's account of it. He was an eyewitness who walked along with Jesus. And, uh, and we believe it's not only Luke who is talking to us through these words, but actually it is God who is talking to us through these words. And so in honor of the word of God, I invite you to please stand as we just hear this story of healing. Here it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him through the mat, through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of God. Before you sit down, could you turn to your neighbor and say, the healer is here? The healer is here? And you may be seated. You may be seated. Anyone getting into the Olympics? Anyone watching the Olympics? Okay. Um, if you were watching the Olympics uh, this past week, you know, you saw Sean White win Olympic gold for the third time. And I consider a little bit of his story. He had already won two gold medals in, in previous Olympics in 2006, 2010. In 2014, he was unable to compete. He was injured in Sochi. And you think of the determination it takes to say, I'm going to do the Olympics again. 
You think of all the training that is necessary. In fact, uh, we took the kids to a jump zone uh, yesterday. And do you know they use trampolines and jumping around to, to practice for snowboarding? That, that's what you do. And you think of all the days where you probably didn't want to get up and had to get up. You think of all the determination. I was doing some study on what it takes to be an Olympian. And they found for the London Olympics, they were doing a study of the British Olympians, that they practiced six hours a day, six days a week for the whole year. Six hours a day. I don't know about you, but it's hard enough to run for 15 minutes for me. 15 minutes, I'm out. Six hours a day, six days a week, right? Just crazy. And then I don't know if you noticed when when Sean White won, I think what struck me the most, more than his gold, was his ugly cry. Did, Did anyone see that? Like, he lost it. Like, there was no holding back. And, and, and so here uh, he, he is with, with, uh, on the podium. And by the way, determination, he is like 31. This kid's 19. So the determination it takes. Uh, but, but look at this. And I don't know what you think as far as interpreting that picture, but can I give you Pastor Bloomer's interpretation? This is a man who knows exactly what it took to get to that point. This is a man who is thinking about the obstacles he had to overcome, all the things that got in his way, whether it be age or otherwise, in order to get to the point where finally he could be announced as gold medal winner. This is none other than finally arriving after it had been brutal. That's my interpretation. I don't know what's going on. But what we do find, regardless of your interpretation of this, is that there was payoff in his persistence. And isn't that true in life? That, that, that sometimes there is just payoff in persistence. It, it's not being fantastic in a day. I often remind myself, if you're ever handling your body, you can't destroy your body in a day or totally build it in a day as far as working out goes, right? You know, it's, it's the long game. I often think that about church too, you know, it's not built all in a day or destroyed in a day. It's the long game. It's persistence of sharing Jesus. I, I think the same thing of living as a Christian, right? It's not all going to happen in a day and I'm going to be exactly like Jesus tomorrow. It's the long game, but there's payoff in persistence, Right? I think that's what the friends who brought their paralyzed man to Jesus found. You remember the story? Okay, so, so they're going and, and the crowd is gathered around Jesus. He's very popular at the time. Um, but, but as they want healing for their friend, look at what they find. It, it says when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd. Have any of you ever avoided a crowd? Right? I went to a Rick Steves uh, conversation. Uh, they had this travel adventure show. And he was like, here are my tips of avoiding the crowd. Don't go here, there, and there at this point in time. And that's the way to travel, right? Avoid the crowd, right? And you think that's what they could have done. They said, buddy, you know, sorry. We tried, you know, we came here. He's obviously booked for the day. We, we don't have the time, right? You know, maybe some other time, right? We, let's go home. But is that what they did? No! What does the passage say next? It says, So they went up on the roof and lowered him through the mat, through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And for me, I was, I was thinking culturally, like, do you know how sometimes people say, don't meet me at the front door, of the, but the garage, right? Or maybe, like, meet me in the back door. You ever, you ever done that? I'm probably thinking this was not a cultural thing. Don't, don't meet me at the front. If you could repel from the rooftops, we'll meet you there. No, this was not an easy solution. This was not the garage door. This was not the back door. They had MacGyvered their way into this situation and tore to find Jesus. And sometimes a Christian experience is like that. You, you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. But you're going to MacGyver your way in order to find Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. 
But what if they didn't? What if, again, they used a very rational explanation that he's just too busy, it's just too hard? There wouldn't have been any healing. I wouldn't have a story to tell you about the healer God, would I? Kind of reminds me of another story. I love the story of the Battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho, Jericho. And what happened? The walls came. But what day did they come tumbling down on? Was it day one, two, three, four, five, seven? Seven days they had to march around, and the seventh time, on the seventh day, and what if, what if they stopped on six? What if they're like, well, I, I just don't know. He's not showing up. You know, I haven't seen anything to this point. It's day six. We're just going to, we try, right? If they stopped on six, they wouldn't have seen the most miraculous victory of the walls tumbling down and God fighting their battle for them, and they wouldn't have had that experience. Friends, what is your clay roof and what is your day seven? What is the hypothetical crowd standing in your way? What is the clay roof you need to pry open? You know, sometimes I think culturally, the culture that we live in is the problem. Because at that time, Jesus was an A-list celebrity. Everyone wanted to see Jesus. It was popular to see Jesus. Is it always popular to see Jesus today? Not my experience. I would love to walk around and tell you that people just want to hear from a pastor. They, they, they hear I'm a pastor like, oh, really? I've been wanting to talk to you. You know Jesus, don't you? No one does that. In fact, I could maybe make a case that our culture is against us in trying to see Jesus, which is phenomenal to me because if we saw Jesus for who he really is, we'd fill churches like we do Super Bowl stadiums. And I'd be like, get out, it's my turn. So what is your clay roof and what is your crowd? For some of us, it's family members. They could be old, they could be young, I don't know, but family members who say, I don't want to see Jesus today, and, and they make it a little bit hard. So for some of us, it's a crazy culture that we live in, and it's not a bad culture, it's a lot of fun. But, but sometimes in our crazy, busy culture, it's hard because seeing Jesus is just another thing on top of an already busy schedule. For, for some of us, it's the imperfect scenario we find Jesus in. And for them, it was a crowded house. Uh, for some of us, it's reading the Bible and we're like, God, I want to get something, but, but this is hard. Like, could you make it a little bit easier? Give me the cliff notes. Or sometimes it's even going to church and, and I love to create a perfect church. Let's try to do that. But is it possible? No. And so sometimes it's about overcoming an imperfect situation because at church you find sinners, at church you find hypocrites. Yes, it is all true, friends. But today I want to, I don't want to be so lazy, I guess. I guess today I'd encourage you along with me to repent of all the times we let clay roofs stand in our way. To repent of the things that that, that we could overcome, but, but we let, to, to, to repent of not being an Olympian in our effort to go and seek Jesus, and let's be more persistent, friends. Let's be Olympian in our efforts to see and to seek Jesus, because there's payoff. I think there's payoff in your persistence to see and to seek Jesus, because you don't know when the healing is going to come. You don't know when the peace will be found, but it's possible through Jesus. 
And I tell you, people have been healed. People have been healed past addictions, past trauma, past abuse, past relational circumstances, past financial circumstances, and so much more. And and what they didn't know, though, is when. And what if you gave up on day six when day seven the walls were going to fall? What if you didn't pry open the clay roof? You could miss the healing that could have been yours, the progress and the breakthrough that could have been yours. Don't give up in your persistence to see and to seek Jesus. I believe there is payoff there, friends. That's what the paralyzed man found. But you know, Jesus, he didn't didn't say at first, get up, Take your mat and go. What, what did he say at first? He, he didn't say you're healed. He, he, what, does anyone remember what he said? You want to look? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, now why, why when he obviously needs his, his legs to be healed, would he say, friends, your sins be forgiven? We need to talk about this a little bit, I think. I think. The heat will help us. Good. You know, I find it fascinating how much time and money we spend on trying to keep our bodies healthy. You know what I'm talking about? We spend a lot of time and money trying to keep our bodies healthy. Uh, For certain age groups, it is how much you spend on these things, prescription drugs, billions of dollars, all on prescriptions, all on medications, right? I have a young child with uh, teeth problems, and teeth problems will mean braces. I hear that braces cost money. And maybe you can relate to, to spending money in your mouth. Maybe you've had the dichotomy, should I get you know, two more crowns or should I get dentures and, and, and go from there, right? Because it's a lot of money there. We can spend a lot of money on our teeth. Or then I think of all the supplements that are available. Here's one, Isogenics. I'm not against it. But, but there's all the, the, the evidence of healthy food and healthy eating, right? And what we put into our bodies. And so people eat organic fruits and veggies. But not every organic fruit and veggie is good. So you have to know the difference, right? Um, pesticide use, all that kind of thing. Um, or or we, we think about cattle, grass-fed beef. Uh, we think about emergency supplements, which are awesome, and they give you a boost, and it's great. Uh, we, we think of uh, going to Whole Foods and, and buying an apple for $20 because that apple is going to save my life, right? And that's just what we do. We spend money. I was doing research on millennials and how they spend money, and I guess they're upsetting the gym industry because usually you'd spend like $30 to go to a, a chain gym, but now they're, they're, they want all these boutiques. They want spin classes and CrossFit and kickboxing, and they're willing to spend $120 or more to go to a boutique workout place uh, changing the industry, how much they spend on health. And by the way, I'm not against spending money on health. I think you should take care of your body. I actually think that your body is not your body. God gave it to you and you should protect it. But when I read scripture, this is what I find. I find this complete dichotomy between our spiritual needs and our earthly needs. I mean, it's not even close which one should come first, our spiritual needs or our bodily needs. Because no matter how many organic apples you eat from Whole Foods, you're going to decay. You're going to die. No one lives past 120. Right? And I was reading scripture and scripture that says this. First Timothy, look at this. Physical training, it is of some value. That's spin class, CrossFit. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. When we focus on our spiritual nature, when we focus on our soul's needs, we are focusing on something that will finally last, something that will transcend beyond this age. 
And so back to Jesus, when he said, friend, your sins are forgiven, what is he emphasizing? Is he not saying, I see your earthly need, but I'm going to solve your bigger need first. I'm going to tell you about your spiritual need. And so what I learned in this is this, that spiritual needs should be prioritized over earthly needs. Shouldn't they? This is maybe our dumb moment, but I don't know, shouldn't they? I mean, maybe you need a pastor to tell you this once again, because I, I know if your life is anything like mine, we have a lot of earthly concerns, right? I love that sometimes that happens here at Amazing Love. We, we operate sometimes at Amazing Love by the Costco principle. You know what the Costco principle is? That if you spend 20 minutes to go to a Costco to get your bulk items, maybe you could spend 20 minutes to get to the church that you like that fills your soul. It's maybe a worthy wager, that Costco principle. That maybe it's worth the effort and the time that it takes to get your soul's needs satisfied. But I wonder, as I look to the lesson, do you think the crowd and do you think the paralyzed man was more concerned about the spirit or the body? Do you think he wanted miraculous soul salvation or miraculous physical help? You can make an argument that he was probably more concerned about the earthly, right? And then I pause and I just ask you, when you come to Jesus, what are you more concerned about? That he would help your earthly life or that he would help your eternal life? That he would help your body or that he would help your soul? You know, sometimes we live in a culture of a quick fix. We have quick fixes all the time. No one wants to delay gratification. Give it to me now. Ergo fast foods. Ergo Jimmy John's and Freaky Fast. I can't even wait five minutes. Right? Give it to me now. And the thing that happens culturally is also happening spiritually. That sometimes as a pastor, I'm not trying to judge, but I see people coming for the quick fix. I see people who want $100 to spend the night somewhere at a hotel. I see people who want help and prayer over finding their next job. I see people who want and need food for the day. I see people who want and need help in patching up a relationship. I see all those needs. But every now and then I get concerned that once the fix happens, they don't need God anymore. And it kind of reminds me, like, if, if, if it was a doctor, let's say you go to the doctor, and let's say you have, like, a... a a beam of wood in your forearm. And, and it is projecting blood. This is really gross. Anyway, I didn't really plan this well. Uh, but let's just say it's the beam of wood and, and it's just projecting blood. And instead of asking for the doctor to take the wood out, you just ask him for a Band-Aid and ibuprofen. And yet, and yet, isn't that what people are doing with God? God, help me with my job. Help me this week with food. Help me here. Give me the Band-Aid and some ibuprofen. And he's like, I could take the splinter out. I have a solution for the wood beam. See, when you get the next job and the next, I can give you the spirit that says you're going to depend on me whether you're making the high life or the low life or anywhere in between because I got it. I can help you with the wood. So at Amazing Love, one of the things we recognize is our spiritual need. We confess our sins already, and we just recognize that I want a Savior from my sin. I want something deeper. I want something better than the world can offer. I want something more than a Band-Aid and some ibuprofen. And that's what Jesus offers. He says, friend, your sins, they're forgiven. 
And one of the things I love that he said along with friend, your sins are forgiven is this. He said, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Authority. And I think of now Jesus' life. People had been looking for forgiveness all up till this point before Jesus arrived. And people used to bring uh, bulls and goats and doves and they would sacrifice them in order to forgive sins. But those sacrifices were never the cause of forgiveness. They were never the authority of forgiveness. They were just shadows of it. They would go to worship and they would hear priests say, God has forgiven your sins, but those priests were never the cause of that forgiveness. They were just announcing it on behalf of the mercy of God. But now, Jesus has come. And he's so much better than those animal sacrifices. Look at what Hebrews says about those sacrifices. It's impossible for the blood of goats to take away your sins. But Jesus shows up and he's the sacrifice once for all. And he not only proclaims that you have forgiveness. He is the reason you have forgiveness. He is the visible identification of the mercy of God for everyone. When he shows up on the scene, he does have authority and he gives us the same authority to tell you on behalf of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. How awesome. And so what I find is this, that through Jesus' sacrifice and by his authority, our souls have been healed. And some of you who've been walking with God, you know this, you cling to it. It's yours again today. It's reconfirmed. Your souls are healed. You are the righteousness of Christ today. But some of you, maybe this is a new message. Maybe you're just joining us. Maybe you're wondering what Christianity is all about. You have the right by the authority of Jesus to have your soul healed, to know your sins are forgiven. How awesome. But before we go, Don't worry, I do know how to be quiet. One more point. Before we go, one more thing to do with the Word of God today. And uh, as we draw out this point, I wanted to bring up uh, a German physician by the name of Robert Cuck. Robert Cuck is uh, pictured here. Uh, He won a Nobel Peace Prize uh, because of his studies in bacteriology, which is the study of bacteria. Uh, For ages, tuberculosis was a huge problem. Uh, From 1700 to 1900, tuberculosis took a billion lives. Wow. Today, even, it still takes two million lives. But because of the research of a Robert Cuck, who, uh, again, uh, saw what that bacteria was doing, uh, they were able to treat tuberculosis and find possible solutions and cures. So he won the Nobel Peace Prize because of that work. And his work was just phenomenal. Astounded people. Left them dumbfounded at the time. But can you imagine if Robert Cuck had found the solution, knew what was going on, but then never told anyone? That'd almost be criminal, wouldn't it? And so how good it is when experts share what they have found with other people, right? I don't know about you, but I love learning from other experts, not just Robert Cuck. Um, I I went to a pastor's conference recently, and I saw a a pastor who is semi-retired, and he had a career serving Jesus, and I was just ready to soak up the information he had of of what it was to serve Jesus for so long, because he was an expert in the field. For some of you, have you heard of that Tom Brady video? They document his life. They go over his routine and his regimen and how he becomes able to compete so well and still be a family man. Love learning about the experts, though I'm not sad they didn't win. Go Eagles. I love learning from a Rick Steves about travel or from a a Dave Ramsey for finance. It's it's great when when other people share what they have learned and then share it with others. And, And that is what the paralyzed man did. 
See, it wasn't just that he was healed. What happened after he was healed? He said, it said immediately he stood up in front of him, took what he'd been lying on, and he went home praising God. And everyone else went home and they started praising and they glorified God. And, and what do you do? They told him about the healer. I met a man named Jesus and he was able to make me walk again. It reminds me of a, a woman in Samaria who met with Jesus and, and she told other people, come find a man who told me everything that ever happened. And so what I find about this healing is that though the healing was for him, and just as the healing is for you, it is also for other people. And so it's, it's never enough for us at Amazing Love to know that our souls are satisfied and we're spiritually healed to just keep it to ourselves. It's never enough. But then we also go out and we tell you have a right and you have a reason for your soul to be healed. We share it with others, with whatever family member. We tell them about the cross of Christ. But then when the other healing happens, and it can happen on God's timeline, when he gets you past that addiction, when he gets you past that trauma, when he gets you past depression, when he gets you past anxiety, when he gets you past that relationship turmoil, when he gets you past all of that, then I believe it is also ours to tell other people exactly what God had did. Isn't that what the Beam family did? Christy wrote a book about it and then it became a movie. What are we going to do? To tell people about the healer. Maybe it's a blog. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a YouTube channel. Maybe it's the simple witness of when someone asks you, how did your life change? And you tell them about Jesus Christ. May the Spirit prompt you to find your solution. To give a simple witness and praise of God that there is a healer. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, We thank you for drawing us again to the importance of our spiritual needs and we thank you that once again we've heard we are the righteousness of Christ in you because of what you have done. Lord, I pray for everyone who needs healing today. I pray for everything that makes our hearts heavy. I ask that in your time and in your way that you continue to work all things for our good. You promise that. And that if it is your will, you'd heal so many various diseases. You'd heal so many various circumstances. But I pray that after you do that, we would not forget, but we would tell others of your power and your grace. Help us to do that. Help us to be a witness to glorify and praise your name. In Jesus Christ, amen.